Did you just win nine hundred dollars? Yeah, way more right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Australia. Nine hundred. Take this drink. Thank you. And then, hold up. I'm going to need you, somebody help me in a minute. Yeah, I got I'm about you. I'm supposed to do that? I got as you. Well? Yeah, somebody that works here. Sorry. <laughs> hold on, don't stop yet. I'm not touching your shit. I'm taking <laughs> no, no, your No, you're good. I'm about to take shit out of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, get them uh, whatever they want. Uh, tequila. Oh, uh, the gold one. Salt and lime. Tequila shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salt and lime. No, hell no, I don't want to chill. And. <laughs> oh, man. That All right. was almost. Even better. Right, bro, you gotta stop winning over here, dog. I'm stopping at 900. <laughs> dude. Stopping at 900. Come on, you're there, bro. No, you don't stop at 900. Stop yeah. now, dude. You're a fool. You don't stop now. No, I'm not. Scared money don't make money. Come on, man. I'm stopping at 9. Come on, man. I'm Steph. I'm Rachel. And we want to know pretty much everything about pretty much everyone we meet. Welcome to Sit on the Floor. So we're sitting on the floor right now. We're in the basement of, um, what's the name of this bar? Steady Eddie's Pump House. Steady Eddie's Pump House. That's right. When we drove by, we read the sign out loud. and We're like, let's take a right. Let's go in there. The biggest hole in the wall in like a 10 mile radius. And we're in the town of Matthews outside of Charlotte. Technically, you're like in between Matthews and Stallings, but we'll call it Matthews. Good enough. Okay. Matthews, North Carolina. Yeah. Perfect. So... When we first sat down upstairs and started talking to you, you called this place a vortex. What does that mean? Okay, because people get people get pulled in and sucked in, and it's hard to leave once you like, you know. Hang on, hang on. Hey, bro, cut away. Yeah, where are you going? Um, yeah, I got your keys. Okay. All right, bet. Anyways, okay, so back to the question. <laughs> hey, well, good thing, good thing I don't got an ego. Good thing I don't got an ego. Get the fuck out of here, man. I'm busy over here. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry, y'all. All right. Thank you. You seem interesting too. Thank you, sir. I got a pretty big story. I feel like you do. I wish I knew Sarah. I wish I knew Sarah more. Yeah. Do you want to sit on this for a second too? Sure. I'm okay. the only bartender, right. so I, I have like a solid three minutes. So okay. You can ask me whatever you would like. I like this. All right. Well, you just said you had a big story. What What does that mean? What's your story? Um, I'm the youngest of seven kids. Wow. I grew up around here. You know, had a big family, lots of drama, classic alcoholic father. You know, traumatized mom kind of thing. Local thing. Um, I do photography and videography, and I make music. Um, I've been in the restaurant industry since I was 13. My first job was working at a gun and pawn shop. I um, used to own an auction house with my family, and um, now I work in a small town bar because everything else stresses me out. <laughs> what do you mean oh everything else stresses God. you out? Um, I just, I like um, being comfortable, and I've done my fair share of proving myself to people, and now I'm just kind of like, I'm satisfied. Like, I, my biggest goal in life is contentment, and I have that here, so I want peace of mind. That's pretty much it. <laughs> What is the alternative to this where you would not ha- feel like you would not have contentment? 
oh, like, what would I be doing that wasn't this that would make me feel like... Yeah, like you said, you said you um, like it here, like, at the small town bar because you feel like you... Contentment and, like, peace is, like, really yeah. important to you. Like, what... What's the alternative to this that where you feel like you would not have that? Um, anything with a lot of pressure. Not that I can't handle the pressure, but like I've learned the hard way that life is really short and I don't really feel like I have to go and do things that are because I've worked in bars where 2000 people come in every night and you're working until 3 a.m. and you make $700 and you walk out mentally drained and physically drained. And it's it's horrible. It's not living to me here. I work three, four days a week. I make the money that I need. I have a free schedule. I can ask off for five days and go somewhere if I would like to. I have time for my family. I have time for my friends. I get to have my experiences and still pay my bills because as much as we all despise working and, you know, living to work and working to live, you don't have to do that. I mean, like, yeah, some people do. It's heartbreaking, but I'm lucky enough to not be with kids or not be married and be 26 and have the advantage of living my life so I'd rather just take advantage of that I don't need to wait until I'm on my deathbed to be like finally I'm retired I can breathe now like I want to breathe now I don't want to breathe when I'm 58 I don't you know um, yeah, at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to go okay. but okay. thank you guys so much. Thank you. Sarah. Nice to meet you yeah. Sarah. You too guys I wish you the best. Truly Aww. I think what you're doing is you're, you're coming back Sarah. You're coming yeah, back. Yeah I'll be upstairs pouring beers and bringing up wings. <laughs> awesome. No, she's cool. She's wow. cool. Yeah. Okay, so she was amazing. Yeah, she's incredible. Okay, so okay, yeah, yeah where were we? When we met you upstairs, yes, and your name is Travis. That's my name. Yes, one of the few. Yeah. When okay, <laughs> when we <laughs> met you upstairs, you said that this place was like a vortex. Okay, you want me to get into that? Okay, yeah. What does that mean? <sighs> okay, so it's a vortex because, like, okay, um, a lot of people get pulled in here and they, it, it, like, you like, oh, I'm coming here for one drink, but they end up staying for like ten, and then like, there's no cell phone reception, there's no internet reception, it's very, very light. So there's some very weird magnetic energy going on here, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Do you think that kind of energy drew us in here? I mean, obviously, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how often do you come here? Uh, I, more than I like? No, no, no. No, not do, I mean, once or two or three times a week. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, more? maybe four. Not that often. <laughs> Not that often. But yeah, I mean that's pretty often. Yeah. So no, I like I like going here more than other places. Yeah, I'm like I was talking to uh, Rachel earlier about you know just like the uh, random uh, the spirituality of things and all that. Um, it's not the most metaphysical righteous place around, but it's more than usual. And mostly everybody's just here to share their stories and you know vent and let out their feelings and emotions but i don't know it's 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 completely random like it's like it's a place where you can come and vent and feel all right about being yourself do you feel like it's so special because it's hard to feel that way at other places yeah that could be it that could be it totally absolutely i mean like a lot of if if, if bars aren't aren't for anything but for like other people to come out and vent then what are they good for what do you do for work travis uh i do i do anything that makes a dollar i mean i wish i'm a a jack of all trades i went to school to be in um music production 
and that's that's what I wanted to do because Houston's a big spot for that, you know. But then I dropped out of college for that because I had to start my nine to five, and then uh, I started going, you know, to work all that. But like, no one had a smile on their face in their cubicle, and I was just like, I don't want to do this for like the rest of my life, you know, benefits and you know, I mean, who cares if I'm making two hundred thousand dollars a year? I need mean, I need a smile on my face. Does it become? His name is Stick, and he used to play for the Canadian Maple Leafs, and then he owned a strip club. So, yeah, he's badass. He talks about how much he Wait, wait, wait. Say that again into the mic. (laughs) So that guy, his name is Stick, okay? Everybody calls him Stick. He used to play for the Canadian Maple Leafs back in, like, the early 70s. Well, probably early 60s. And then when he moved here, he owned a strip club. And then he got shot three times because he was a biker. Then he was like, fuck this, I don't want to be a biker anymore. And then, um, yeah, he talks about how much he loves, like, acid and shrooms. He shows up, drinks, like, one or two beers max and heads out. He's the coolest motherfucker ever. If I would have met him, like, 20 to 30 years ago, I definitely would have married him. Like, 100%. Why would you have married him? Just talk to him. Well, how'd you make it into Steady Eddie's Pump House? (laughs) Because we saw it on the side of the road and were hungry and decided it looked like a fun place to stop. Well, I wish you had been here. Got wings. Before. Yeah, they were so good. Food's great for bar food. If you're in the Matthews area, Steady Eddie's Pump House is an awesome place. How old are you? Older than dirt, darling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 68. Okay. And when did you get to, you live in Charlotte or Matthews, North Carolina? I actually live in Mint Hill. Okay, which f- is about 15 minutes away. The way I ended up here is I played hockey in school and hockey in high school and was drafted out of high school by the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so I got hurt. They sent me down here to rehab. Then I went back up. The next season I tore my other leg up. Down here, rehab, went back up. Decided I wanted to walk when I was 50, so I retired at the ripe old age of 20. And... uh that's how I got the nickname Stick. It's not the fabulous physique, for God's sakes. So you retired when you were 20 from yes. hockey, right? Yes, ma'am. You have to understand, hockey was a whole lot different in those days. Uh, we didn't wear helmets. Goalies didn't wear masks. Uh, my front eight teeth are all implants. Uh, my nose has been broke nine times. Uh, I was a defenseman. I was six foot five and weighed 180 pounds. You figure it out. But my coach, I would get knocked down and I'd always get up and say, "Man, you got a weapon in your hand. Use it." And I said, "Well, coach, you know, who's going to pay the fine?" I mean, you know, he says, "We got your back. Take him out." And that's how I became stick. And that's what it is. Sarah also said that you'd been shot three times. <laughs> yeah, she gave us the Boy, short Sarah tells almost. I used to own a topless bar in Charlotte. Oh, yeah, you owned a strip club in Charlotte. I did. So how, how old were you? How did you get there? Well, when I ended up back in Charlotte, uh, I went to work for a chemical company, and our maintenance man was the bartender at this topless bar. And I used to hang out after work, and I'd shoot pool, and I got to know the owner, and he hired me to be a bartender. and. He knew I had a little bit of money, and he got some trouble with the IRS and said, I need X amount of dollars. I'll sell you the bar lock, stock, and barrel. So I bought the bar, kept it three years. It was all biker trade back in those days. and Got shot up and beat up. And it's life in the fast lane, Wally. 
you can't just skate by those those facts. <laughs> well, I mean, see, you, can, you can't just casually say say you got shot yeah. up when you owned a topless bar. <laughs> to me, it it was all part of life and all part of a journey. It doesn't. I'm just me. So when you got shot, like, were you scared of dying? Like, how did that? Like, what happened? What ha- where were you shot? Happened. What happened? The first two times. First time I got shot in the leg. No, I wasn't afraid of dying, but. Back in the day, and still, the motorcycle clubs have pledges, or what they call probates. And they want to make a name for themselves within the club. So you throw one of them out, you got to deal with seven or eight after you close. And they're, you know, it was kind of a roughneck crowd, this biker bar. And uh, they didn't know how to be a man and fight with their hands. They shot at people. So first time was in the leg. Second time was in the shoulder. Third time got shot in the chest. Lost half a lung. That one scared me, and I said, I'm done. Sold the bar back to the guy I bought it from, and the rest is history. Okay, so if you got shot three times, which is something that most people, most people would consider quite traumatic experience, and you feel fairly nonchalant about it, what in life do you not feel nonchalant about? <laughs> Love. You know, relationships are are what are special. Uh, you know, getting shot or beat up or this, that. I put myself in a position for those things to happen. And I think most people, we're creatures of our own habits and you know I was in a bad place it's what I chose to do it's what I thought I wanted to be and you know it it didn't end well but as a result you know I I learned and I moved on and I'm the happiest old man you'll ever meet I don't think we were put on this earth to be alone Uh, we're meant to be together without love you can't live have you been heartbroken? Heartbroken twice. Uh, what What was your worst heartbreak? My ex-wife probably because I really didn't. The kids were grown. We were empty nesting. and She was a bookworm. I'm a people person. I'd go to the bar after work and have a few beers, come home. We'd have hall sex. Y'all know what that is, don't you? No. What do you, what do you, you say? You pass each other in the hall. Screw you. No screw you. you know. It's called hall sex. We didn't hate each other. We didn't do anything to each other. We just grew apart. Uh, She said, I want to separate, and I didn't want that, so I was heartbroken. I got over it, but it took a while. But then I met a lady eight years later that uh, absolutely fabulous, 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 fabulous. And What caught your attention about her? Uh... She was eating my favorite meal at one of my favorite restaurants and having a dirty martini. I like mussels at Bonefish Grill and a dirty martini. And I went in on Sunday afternoon like I normally would. And there was nobody in the place but this one lady sitting at the bar. She was eating mussels, having a dirty martini. So I told Yaya, the waitress, I said, send her another drink. She goes, oh, she won't take it, stick. She comes in. She eats her mussels kind of like you do. 
I said, send her a martini. So a few minutes later, she toasted. Next thing I know, she came up and says, can I join you? And I said, absolutely. And we closed the place down, uh, walked her to her car. She gave me a kiss on the cheek. I said, I don't ask women for their phone numbers. I think that's tacky, but here's my card. If you'd like to get together for dinner sometime, call me. On the way home, she texted me and said, you have my number now, put it to good use, and there it was. She was just, she was gorgeous. Uh, made more money than God, but you'd never know it. Didn't flaunt it and treated me like a king. Therefore, I treated her like a queen, and we had a great time. She moved to Folly Beach, met Prince Charming, and life goes on. She moved away? Yeah, she uh, had a house here. We would go to Folly Beach to vacation and play. Are you, are you still in love with her? You know, that's probably, but... And she knows that? Oh, she should, because I tell her whenever I talk to her how much I love her, and I miss her, and I'd love to see her. But I also respect her space and her choices. Mm-hmm. Do you so, think she's happy with her choice to be with someone else? At times, and then at other times, because she reaches out and... You know, why don't you come spend the weekend? When, and I just, I don't want another man to do that to me, so I'm not going to do that to another man. So. Hey, Fred. Good to see you. It's life, you know. It's all good. I have a plethora of friends that I enjoy, so we all have good times. But, yeah, I miss her. Hmm. So special. Are you, um, do you have anyone right now? Uh, no. I have a couple friends, if you will, known for a long, long time, and that's what we are. We're friends. Uh, no love involved, but. You know. Yet you say love means so much to you. Well, it does, but you know. It happens. You don't make it happen. I mean, you know, you can't force someone, oh, you're beautiful, I love you, you have to love me. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It has to be a connection. And when it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. I think just like Paula, I wasn't looking for anyone. We met and bingo. And I think that's the way that it should happen, you know. When it's supposed to be, it'll be. And, you know, if I'm supposed to rock in the rocking chair by myself, I'll rock in the rocking chair by myself. But let's hope not, but that's just the way it is. Y'all are nuts. You know, y'all pick an old man like me to sit here and talk to, but that's kind of cool. All right, so we are sitting on the floor of our Airbnb. It's a studio bedroom in Matthews, North Carolina. Um, and we are, we are here with a bartender from, I can't even think of the place. I got it. I got it. Steady Eddie's pump house. House. (laughs) Which is mouthful. So that's where we were earlier tonight and we talked to a few people there and then we chatted with Sarah briefly and then we figured out that her shift ended at 12 and we were like, you should come over and we can have a proper chat in a quiet space. And here we are. Here we are. 
because there's a few things that you told us earlier that um, right away we were like, ooh, we got to hear more about this. Um, l- can we start with like your family life, like growing up oh. in, uh, in North Carolina? And you mentioned that you were one of seven. Yes. Yeah. I'm the youngest. Um, I'm the baby. So, and don't believe everything you hear about the baby. It's not what you think. I don't know where the spoiled thing came from. That's bullshit. Can I cuss on this? Okay, cool. Yeah, um, you. I I will say being the seventh was it had its benefits, but it also was like it did deprive me of a, uh, like the classic mo- mother daughter relationship. But I loved the way I grew up. I mean, in my mind, she's she's always apologizing to me. You know, like I wish I could have been there more. I wish I could have done more for you guys. And I'm like, I loved. I mean, the shit that I didn't block out. I loved my childhood. You know, I, I mean when she didn't have a babysitter she would take us to work with her like she I grew up in a restaurant restaurants are my home I was rolling silverware practically coming out of the womb I mean I was in there eight or nine getting Shirley temples from my sister who was bartending and dancing to the live jazz band that was going on and making dance routines and crawling underneath the tables of the panther players like I loved the way I grew up I'm you know running into the kitchen and getting bowls of gourmet spaghetti and like I in my mind I'm like this is dope as fuck but my mom is over here like I could have been a better mother and I'm like chill you know don't worry my brain took care of most of that how how old are you I'm 26 wow yeah. You are so mature. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like you, I, I mean, you're older than us. We're 24. But like it, just talking to you, it feels like you've lived lifetimes. <laughs> I, I, in the most um, humble way, it feels like it. It really does. And that I don't feel, and a lot of, I hate, I, there's girls that are, not girls, I don't want to even say that. There's people that are like, I'm different. You know, whether it's men, they're like, I'm different. I genuinely, in my soul, I feel different. In what ways specifically do you feel different? My mom was always the wake up and go to church, you know, and I was always the why. Why are we going to church? Why are we doing this? I would go. I, like, so you are the role of the questioner. Always. I'm the black sheep in my family. So I have a question for you. You you said that you like grew up in restaurants. So I imagine that it's not too far from the imagination for your family that you are a bartender right like yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so I guess aside from that like is there anything in particular that you feel like was expected of you by your family or like by your surrounding community that you kind of like diverged from um well like I mean I'm everyone else they're on the path of marriage and kids and I'm on the path of finding myself do you ever have any like feelings of isolation or loneliness or ne- oh, God, anything yeah. about that. I'm a human being of course I do I mean like isolation and and all of that is is it's like a it's like a limb on your body I mean it's it's something that just goes with you it, it's it it doesn't matter if you're with the people that matter most in your life or a room full of strangers or I mean it's always going to be there because we're always in our heads yeah one thing I'm noticing about you as you talk is like you're very um you're very like comfortable with yourself and you're you're very open without being not in a weak way yeah it's like your your vulnerability and your openness is backed with such strength I appreciate it. I mean, it, it took a it took a lot for me to get here. I mean, I will say like, I'm not I'm only 26, you know, like I but I 
like everybody else, have been through things that have changed me. Like what? Like I mean, you know, toxic relationships and lack of um, motherly love and, you know, in a way that not everybody else gets. You know, my mom wasn't capable of the kind of things that every like some mothers were. She saw things as like she she's my mom has been a mother since she was 11. Okay, she grew up in a household where she pretty much had, she didn't have kids at 11. She had to raise the family. She has always been on the wake up and get shit done, you know, and I respect her for that. But like, she wasn't the kind of mom where I could be like, like, have you ever seen the movie um, uh, Inside Out? with the girl and she has all the the characters in her head the animated one yes i've seen some of it but okay so like the moral of the story is she goes through depression me and my mom i watched the movie and i'm in tears and i look at my mom and she's like this movie's just about a brat you know Mm. so i'm like ah it's clicking now like the way that you know i would lash out as a a kid needing things and she would i'm the mom you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I'm over here like needing affection and needing a, and needing that. And I, I learned, like even though I had my siblings and they were all kind of doing their own thing, I learned that like I needed to make, give it to myself because I didn't have a dad. And I mean, my dad was in and out. He was, now he's out. But he was in and out and in and out and in and out. And it was one of those classic like depressing, when's my dad going to pick me up? He's going to be here in six hours. He's going to be in eight hours, 10 hours, never showed. So like, my dad he forgot my birthday multiple times one time he like ran to the bathroom to get me a birthday present and he put a potato in a bag in a grocery bag and wrote me a card on the sink swear to god and then one year he threw me a spongebob square pants birthday party so it was never consistent you know so like i kind of learned to never have expectations to just kind of at a at a really young age i didn't even know that's what i was learning but i was i was learning that like you never, it doesn't matter who anybody is in your life. You never know what the fuck you're going to get. And when you're going to get what you're going to get. And at the end of the day, you have yourself. Did you at any point in growing up ever have the thought, seven kids is inherently too many? Hell no. No way. Like, I love my big family. I It's so weird because I'm 26 and I thought I would have like five kids by now. <laughs> because I was like, I want to have a big family because I came from a big family and I loved having a big family. Do you want kids? Uh, I don't think I do. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I do. I love children, which is why I don't want to have any. (laughs) I think I want to continue to love them uh, from afar. So you went from wanting a huge family to not wanting kids at all. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I feel like I am such a better addition in people's lives and better at doing what I am good at doing which is whether that be helping somebody else out helping my family out helping my siblings out with their kids you know bringing that joy being the release I feel like I'm a big release in my family like I'm I'm the I show up to your house I make you laugh we eat some food we might have a couple of drinks I help you with the kids I, I and then I go and that's what I love I love being that you know I'm the I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose. And some for some people, I feel like their purpose may be kids. Their purpose may be to start a family. They may feel like that's their purpose. When you realized this, was it uncomfortable to realize it? I mean, I'm a bartender. I work mostly weekends. I'm going to be late nights. And, you know, I, there was a time in my life when it was really, really hard for me because I would miss cookouts and everyone's got their nine to five. So we have Sundays and, you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not necessarily 
sometimes I wouldn't get invited but it was because I was working. They knew that I would be working and it would almost be harder for them to tell me because they're like, you know, we want we don't want to remind her that she's going to miss out on something else. It was a big part of my life and I felt really isolated and I I resented my siblings for that. But it wasn't their fault. I'm focusing on myself and I'm okay with that. And I feel like my siblings don't resent me for that and and they accept that I am that way. So when we spoke earlier, you had said that you had done different bartending jobs where you made like $700 in a day, but now you're content with just working at a smaller um, kind of a dive type bar. Can you talk a little bit about why that's the best fit for you right now? Um, because I, I, it's enough. We spent like, I feel like we had, I feel like we spent a lot of time just being like, oh, I could go here and make more money and I could go do this and do this. And I'm like, yeah, you could, but like fucking relax. Like I, I, I did that for so long. Like the amount of, I like, I worked three jobs and I would just, just rail myself with hours and miss things and miss things and miss things. And it's like, ugh. And like now, for example, like I live with a wonderful woman. Her name is Marnie and she's like in her early 40s. She's fucking awesome. She's tatted, got pixie cut, blue hair, purple hair. She's cool as fuck. And I, I love living with her, but you know, she's working in the bar that I re- that I quit before and she'll come home and she's like, oh God, like another night. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, bro, like don't do this to yourself. You know, like go, go somewhere where you can be appreciated. Like I... The bar I work at, like, I know the owners. He loves me to death. He'll come in. He'll pay for his shit. He'll tip me. Put up birthday decorations for me and and put out candy. It's a family. I love family, clearly. Like, I, I love it. I have my regulars. You know, I got people like Stick. And I, I know about these people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I, you know. I, they, so it becomes less like work and more like just hanging not. out with an extended family. Yeah, it's not work. I'm I just I'm going somewhere where I do what I would do for anybody in my home and I'm getting fucking paid for it. It seems like um so I'm actually an only child. Wow. Does that surprise you? You're like, "What is that life like?" I can imagine <laughs> what that life is like, but also I've heard of I've heard of only child syndrome and you don't seem like you have it. What what are you talking about? Because I, I think I know what I you think mean, my, but I want to hear you. I think you. the only, like a natural instinct for me is to share. Like yeah. it, whether it be food or clothing or you yeah. want to wear this or just take it, you know, yeah. like just take it. And for you, it's more of like, well, that's my stuff. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. So, it's so funny. I was just talking to Rachel about this where I was telling her that um, as a kid, I never, ever shared my food. Yeah. And then I learned that it was socially unacceptable to not share your food. It was just food. not even, not necessarily and true. Keep that shit if you want it. It's no, yours. No, but no, like, but no, no, no. But, yeah. Well, I guess I just, in growing up, you learn what kind of person you want to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. And you, you start to learn what you were naturally taught and what's like, you know, wired into you. Mm-hmm. And you learn what you want to be naturally. And you start to see the gap between those things and you try to close it. Yeah. And that was one of the things for me is like I began to see like, oh, you know, I want to be a person who like shares things. But yeah, that's cool. Sometimes, but sometimes, you know, sometimes I still feel it's that like, like natural instinct. And it's not even conscious and I can't 
help it. And and then immediately following it, it's like just 0. 0.03 seconds immediately following it is like, of uh, yes, please have some. Yeah. Or like, yeah, take it. <laughs> you know, like, but it's like you can't, I haven't, I mean, maybe you can, but I haven't gotten to the point at 24 of like erasing it completely. Yeah. I mean, you have so much I've done much a pretty time. good job. So- but yeah, but it's just, it's funny because what I wanted to say was, one of my friends, I'll never forget this. She said to me, you, Steph, I can tell you're an only child because you love everyone like a sibling. And she was like, oh. I, she was like, I. It makes you want to cry. <laughs> well, she was like, she was like, I, for me, I can tell the difference between sibling, um, love. sibling love and like my friends, but like you love your friends so much. Which is true. And I just, what I think is interesting about this conversation is like, I'm sitting here talking to somebody who is one of seven, who has six siblings. And it's like, the more you talk, the more I feel like everywhere you go, you make it a family. Like, (laughs) and it's funny that that was said to me of like, oh, I can tell you're an only child because you treat everyone like a sibling and you're one of seven. And it seems like you're the same way. That's the thing. Like, I feel like your heart is what your heart is, you know, like you can. And that's when like, oh, so many things come into play. It's kind of like it, it. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. You will your your soul will pour out and it will just become this like fucking beautiful flower. If you let it, if you let it, if you like that's like it's like bringing in a wild animal it's like come on come on and you let it come out and it's like oh it's so fucking cool and it's like oh my god like it doesn't matter like you will just become who you are truly meant to be like it it doesn't matter if you grew up in a fucking trailer or in a mansion or you had a fuckload of siblings or you didn't have any siblings at all you had a bunch of money you didn't have any money at all you just like let yourself breathe and you let yourself be and you let yourself grow and experience and take in situations and like fuck everything around you and fuck all these other all these opinions and everything everybody else is saying and how do you feel about it how are you how do you feel about it not what your parents say not what your friends say and I try as much as I can for my nieces and nephews to take this in not what anybody else is saying how do you feel about it like do you want to do this do you want to say this do you want to hang out with these people do you want to experience these things do you want to scream right now or do you want to cry right now or do you want to fucking go to the beach or do you want to go to the mountains like let your soul be your soul let it experience things and round itself out in the way it's supposed to be regardless of all this fucking bullshit around you so you can just like be a human being This episode of Sit on the Floor was hosted by Stephanie Tonneson and Rachel Sear and produced by Stephanie Tonneson. If you enjoyed it, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. To see photos of the space this episode was recorded in or to make a donation to the show, visit sitonthefloorpod.com. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode.